Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. His, his room was pitch black when the knocking on the door began. He was in a deep sleep, and he groggily came to, and he groped for his, his britches and his tunic, got them on, said, who's there? It's Hopkins. I'm coming. He reached over to the nightstand and grabbed his, his heavy pistol and he came to the door and thrust the pistol in his waistband and, and, and there at the door at 4.30 in the morning was his, his second in command at, at Detroit. In, in 1763, it was uh, Hopkins, Captain Hopkins. He said, sir, there's something going on down the river. I don't know what it is, but the Ottawa and the Huron are really shooting at somebody. You know, I'll be there in a minute. So he got, he got dressed, and they went to the wall, and, about, and they were watching, and they, they could hear the shooting down the river in the fog, but the river was full of fog, and it was hard to see, and then all of a sudden, there comes a boat out of the fog, a bateau, a bateau it's called, a French, it's a large, it's a large boat, was kind of, you could row it or you could sail it, the, the French and the British used them on the Great Lakes back in the 1700s. And first comes one bateau, about 20 men in it, and a bunch of supplies piled up in it, and then, and then another one, and then another one, and then another one, until there was a whole long line of these, these boats coming out of the fog, and, and they're coming towards the water gate at what, what that time was merely Fort Detroit. It wasn't a city yet. It was just a little village with a, with a wood palisade around it. And mostly the inhabitants were still French-speaking, and they came to the water gate loaded with reinforcements and men and food. You see, Detroit had been under siege now for several months because Pontiac, the war chief of the Ottawa, had decided that he would continue the French and Indian War on his own terms, and he had the, the city under siege, and the people were really starting to starve, and, it was, and they were almost out of ammunition, and they, were, they did not have enough men, and they had no medicine. It was really becoming a very dangerous situation and Gladwin had almost given up hope that anybody would get through to save him. When the bateau, these boats, started coming out of the fog that uh, July 29th, 1763, Friday morning. And at first, the British and the, the French inhabitants of the town were, were just sort of shocked. And then this cheer went up from the walls, a cheer that just rocked the walls and just shook the walls and shook the town. And they were just cheering because the reinforcements that they thought would never come were there. And they knew that no matter what happened after that point, that the city would not fall. They were saved. And that relief that swept the English and the inhabitants of Fort Detroit could only be a fraction of the joy that swept through Jerusalem's Hebrew population when it saw Jesus entering their city mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. When, when, they, when the multitudes started cutting down branches and laying down their, their, you know, their clothing on the road in front of Jesus' mounts, 
And they began to run before and run and follow after him. And they were crying out in joy, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Now, Hosanna is one of those Hebrew words we don't translate. We just sort of just say it. It's kind of like Sabaoth, just, which is also part of today's lesson, right? We, we don't say that word either. But Sabaoth means armies, and Hosanna means save us and save now. It's actually a conflation of two different Hebrew words. Save us and save now. And so the people are literally crying out to Jesus, save us now. They're praying for salvation. And that's exactly what we're doing every Sunday in every divine service, whether it's on a Sunday or not, when we come into God's house and we sing the Sanctus, which is part of the historic uh, Christian worship service that goes back into, into antiquity. And when we sing, holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory, which is from Isaiah 6, and then we continue, Hosanna, Hosanna, and Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, we are literally joining with those Jerusalem crowds. We're not, we're not merely re remembering what they did, we're not merely participating in sort of a a reenactment of something that occurred you know, millennia ago, but we're literally joining that crowd. We're literally in that crowd. We're becoming part of it when we sing those words of God's word. And this is probably the reason why the ancient Christians included the Sanctus, these words, the, the words of, uh, of the crowds of Jerusalem in Matthew 21, 1 to 9. That's the reason why they included that in the Didache the first and most ancient catechism of the, of the Christian church. And they saw it as part of the Eucharistic prayer of the church, the, the prayer we pray together as the church before we receive Christ's body and blood in the altar. Yes. And I think that's true because the ancient Christians understood those people who are chronologically closest to Jesus at his first coming Coming. They understood that in the Lord's Supper, Jesus returns to us and he connects us intrinsically to himself as he gives us his own body and his own blood to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins. I think he understands that. And that's the reason why the church chose to integrate those words into the worship service, right? In, in other words, we join Jerusalem's Hosiana, their cry for salvation right now at the altar rail. Because when we come to the altar rail and kneel and receive Jesus' body and blood, we are receiving, we are seeing and tasting and receiving salvation right now. That's what that is. Salvation now. Yes, in Holy Communion, like those Jerusalem crowds, we are witnessing the arrival of He who cometh in the name of the Lord, who is bringing our Hosanna in the highest, the salvation we need immediately. Yes. And this Hosanna delivers to us blessedness. Because the other part of that chant they, they cried out was, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and that blessedness 
is, is talking about eulogeo, eulogeo. There's, there's two different words for blessedness in the, in the Greek, in the, in the original language of the New Testament. One is makarios, and the other is eulogeo. Makarios means like happy. You're blessed because you're happy, and you're happy because you're rich, because you've got many possessions and lots of money and lots of stuff, and lots of land or whatever it is that makes you happy in this world. You've got a lot of that stuff. That's the Marcarius. But the word here is eulogeo, from which we get the idea of the eulogy, right? It's where God speaks well of us, and his word makes us what it describes to us, right? So we're sinners, but yet God in his word declares us righteous. We confess our sins, but he absolves us of those sins. He eulogeos us. And the, word, and the reason for this word eulogeo instead of the other word is because Jesus is also trying to untangle a tragic misunderstanding that is so common to human religion, whether it be within certain schools of Christian thought or the non-Christian religions. In, in many areas, this mistake is made. And Jesus wants to sort of untangle this this, this mistake from our minds. You see, most times, most people think that the purpose of religion, whether it be Christianity or some other non-Christian iteration of the idea of religion, that the purpose behind it is to give you worldly peacefulness, financial prosperity, make your relationship successful, And that's not the purpose for Jesus being incarnate of the Virgin Mary in Advent and coming into the world as a man. Christ was not born on Christmas so that you can have a wonderful, physically good, earthly existence. That's not the reason why he did that. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we can have great stuff and go on good vacations. It's just simply untrue. As God makes it very clear in Hebrews 12, for whom the Lord loves, he chastises and scourges every son whom he receives. And if ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? I mean, look at Jesus's, Jesus, God the father's own son, his only begotten son. Jesus didn't enter glory until he first had to mount the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us, scorning its shame, I agree, but still, he became sin for us and endured the punishment we deserve before he entered into his glory. That's the reason why Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. And so God, the loving God, the good God, allows us sometimes to be denied earthly blessings that we want, so that we might be partakers of his eternal blessings, the blessings that are given through his holiness. That's the reason why Jesus makes it very clear that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. No, God, God the Son, Jesus Christ, his kingdom is not of this world. He made this very clear to Pontius Pilate. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, 
my servants would already be fighting. Oh, the reason why the people declare to us this morning, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is alluding to the salvation that our souls truly need. Not some temporary physical benefit, but the eternal life that Jesus Christ wins for us upon the cross. Right? This is what the crowds mean when they declare, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Give us salvation now. And and the great thing for us is that that's exactly what Jesus is doing for us this morning. He's giving us salvation now through his word and through his sacraments. Just like like Captain Hopkins who was beating on the door to try, try to get Gladwin, his commander, up. So Christ, through his word and through his sacraments, is beating on the door of our lives, trying to wake us up. so that we will know that our salvation has arrived. That we need no longer feel fear the fall of the fort of our existence to the the depredations of our enemies, sin, death, and the devil. But but, but we might know that salvation has come, and that we will survive. Yes, this is what Christ's church is doing this morning for us through the word and through his sacraments. He is letting us know that when we confessed our sins earlier and we were absolved, our sins were forgiven us. That in Christ Jesus, we have eternal life. We have the eulogeo, the blessedness that Christ gives us first in the waters of holy baptism where we know we are born again of water and the spirit. And then finally, as we come to Christ's table, his altar this morning, we know that we are receiving the eulogeo, the blessedness of the certainty of the forgiveness of sins given to us by his body and blood, which he's given and shed for us for the forgiveness of those sins. That is our hosanna. That is our salvation right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy presence.